You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Broadcast from the studios inside the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Yes, the Classic Auto Mall is a real mall. Just one hour west of Philadelphia at Pennsylvania Turnpike Exit 298. Featuring nearly 1,000 classic, vintage, and barn find vehicles for sale under one climate-controlled roof. Now, here's your host, Classic Auto Mall president and the man with all the toys, Stuart Howden. And good morning, morning Steve. It's just me and Steve today. What, what the heck? Good morning. <laughs> You're wearing too many hats today. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. You sound pleasant. Okay. <laughs> it's pleasantly I'm not spill pleasant. my coffee. I am the uh, engineer today, producer, nice, nice. co-host. Videographer, vide- videographer, <laughs> videographer, videographer. I added an extra O in there. Live on YouTube if anybody's watching. Hello, YouTube. Welcome to right. our world. And stop watch holder. And the st- <laughs> Oops, I <laughs> forgot to click that. Oh, and the light, the light guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the light? All right, now we're official. My goodness, that was some work, wasn't it? Welcome. Show number 112. Well, that's exactly wow. right. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Middle of October, which is interesting because, is your chair broken? Nope, that was a headphone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it's just equipment. We don't, you know, it's just money. Um, show number 112 in the middle of October, the third week of October, actually, which gives me a little break. Why, you say, does it give me a little bit of a break? Because we don't sell as much during the third week of October for some odd reason. Mm. So I go back and I look over the last six years that we've been here, and the third week of October is usually our slowest week of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It, it's, Keep talking. I, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I, but I don't know why that that is. But it's some for some reason, it must be that tweener time. Where, where people are not thinking about buying cars for just a particular week and then something changes and then next week it, it'll be fine and the week before it was fine. So, you know, that's, that's our story for now until we can prove it any differently than. But visitation's up on, huge. A, on a nice autumn day. People are in here mm-hmm. on Saturday. It's, it was packed last Saturday. Yeah, packed and, and, and our website traffic is huge. Mm-hmm. And, and not to mention just our website, but everywhere that we advertise is, I mean, the, the, the hit ratio and all that is just strong than ever but but for some reason and it's and it goes back every year this the third week is our slowest week of the year even in the middle of like january when a blizzard we sell more of course fortunately for us is that the weather doesn't dictate buyers what the weather dictates is sellers mm-hmm. so if the weather's bad they're not going to be bringing their consignments in if the weather's bad and they're buying a car and they're in Scottsdale, well, they don't care what it's doing in Philly. That's right. They could care less. They're, they're thinking about cars 12 months out of the <laughs> That's year. That's right. They get, they get the 12-month run. We only get the eight-ish month, half of eight and a half months. Yeah, and then we hibernate. And then we hibernate for a while. But anyway, so where, say you, have we sold cars? Yes. Why, how about Sun City, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Denham Springs, Louisiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, Fayette City, Pennsylvania, Kunkeltown, Pennsylvania, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Ashford, Alabama, Pedricktown, New Jersey, Collegeville, Pennsylvania, Dublin, Ohio. Dublin, mm. Ohio, the home of Bobby Rahal. Is that right? I guess. I, don't know. I didn't know. I that. think so. I'm pretty sure. 
Five, six, seven. Seven states. Seven states and only 11 sold. So we'll be filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy <laughs> next week. Oddly <laughs> enough, number 11. <laughs> number 11. And you sell 11 cars, you can check, file Chapter 11. No, thank God we didn't sell seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, it's it's just the cyclical nature of this business. So we, we roll with the changes, as REO Speedwagon used to say. Mm-hmm. And speaking of bands, thanks to the uh, Pat Travers Band for that our theme song. that We always like to thank them. And um, I see we're setting up trophies out here for Cars for Casey, which is coming up this weekend, which will be today, if you're listening on America's Web Radio, which would be uh, October the 28th. And uh, they've been doing it here now. Cars for Casey has been doing their show here for about maybe five years, I guess now, almost since we started. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was from day one. It's hard to remember. Things get a little murky in my world. (laughs) Right. A long time. And and, uh, last year's show was huge. And the weather looks great for for today. Yeah. And they're laying out 150 trophies as we speak right here in front of us, in front of our studio. Yep. And uh, getting all the trophies ready and uh, for all the participants and uh, all the different judging classes that they have. And they have lots of categories and, and lots of winners and lots of great cars that come out. Too. I mean, it's not just, you know, we're going to give you a trophy because you're a participation trophy. We're going to give you a trophy because you earned it. Right. You know, we don't, we don't give participation trophies. That's no good. I'm entering the show this year. Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about oh, that. The typhoon? Uh, typhoon, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. You're actually going to grace us. See, I didn't believe you actually owned one. I thought you were just lying to me. It is a garage queen. <laughs> it's my garage queen. I have a few of those. And now I have one up in the air now. So on the lift. Oh, good. So that means that will never come down. Mm. Those tires won't be flat spotted this time next year. Good. Not at all. Yes. You should put them up on jack stands, I hear. That's what a lot of people or, do in the wintertime. Or those race ramps that oh, have yeah. the little circular mm-hmm. thing that you park in. And, of course, and of course, one of my cars is out being taken care of. We're doing a color correction on the S65. Okay. Because there's some, a lot of squirrel marks in it because it went through a lot of car washes. Mm. Listen, if you've got a black car and it's a valuable car or something collectible, do not take it through the car wash. It doesn't seem... Maybe other colors do it too. Maybe I'm wrong, but black seems to be mm-hmm. the one that really gets it back, that that really shows it. We could do a whole show on on uh, car washes and the reason right. you probably should avoid them. I, sure. I, I I've only been through a couple times when it gets really salty here mm-hmm. and you get your car's filled with salt, got road it. salt. You need to get it done right y- then. Yeah, that's the only really mm-hmm. time that I'll do it, and that seems more of an emergency. But right. but other than that, I try to avoid it. And yeah. I, I know it's tough for people because you might not have a garage and a hose and all that stuff. But right, because yeah, a tough. lot of people don't have hoses. <laughs> <laughs> no, they I mean, you need an apartment. You, I you're, you're limited to washing your car. And, well, uh, it was like in the newsletter. Uh, are you hard? You know, how hardcore are you when rebuilding your car? Are you hardcore enough to rebuild it in the street? The guy's got the engine lift out there and all. But that's the problem. People don't always have the luxury right. of that. But you can go to the car wash where you actually get out and use the wand. True. And, and use that mm-hmm. and then use a proper rag and all that good stuff for it so you don't get the swirl marks because those automatic car washes, some of them are good, some mm-hmm. of them are touchless, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Uh, but the ones that aren't, the ones that have the big, you know, flapping, whatever, right, all right. those things, I'm sure there's a name for them, uh, they can be harsh. And, and, and I don't know, like I said, it seems to be more prevalent, you notice it more on black cars than mm-hmm. just about any other for car. Sure. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I understand that dark color like that. But it seems like even uh, other color, red doesn't show it up as as much, or white, or some of the other colors. That's true. Too, so, and and sometimes it's very difficult to see the swirl marks and the scratch marks in the paint. You know, you just got to catch it at the right angle. That's why a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I can't edit it out of the live, but there you go. Do the cough button. Um, 
they uh I don't know what I was saying. But anyway, swirl marks, yeah. white color and yeah. right the right light. And, yeah, the uh, right light is is the the key to it because, you mm-hmm. know, if if you can look at a car outdoors sometimes, you wouldn't even notice those. I mean, you have to really look hard. But when you see them, you can't unsee them. You right. know, then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, I can really see those, and that's really noticeable. So, you know, it's always best to hand wash your car. It's always best to, <clears throat> worst case scenario, use a spray gun at the car wash with soap and the and the and the other thing is the soaps. <clears throat> you don't know the quality of the soap that they're using. I mean, we use a lot of Griot's Garage stuff mm-hmm. here because it's pretty amazing product, and it's and it's not harsh, and it and it you know does does what it's supposed to do. It cleans your car without making a whole bunch of mess and leaving film on it and stuff like that so but i'm anxious to see the car coming back because i've never had a car everybody talks about color correction stuff but i've never actually had a had it done to a car so i'm curious if i'm going to be over particular about it and say oh i see a little there's a little sun you know yeah or if i go "Mm, that looks really darn good and and you know it also helps with the dullness of the paint as well Mm -hmm. too because that happens and that's just from sun and oxidation and things like that although uh, i would imagine that this car excuse me i'm really froggy 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 back I would imagine that this car didn't spend a lot of time outside. Right. And still doesn't. <laughs> and it does not. Yeah, yeah. It certainly does. But the not, other thing yeah. that can cause swirls, I learned, is, you know, a harsh towel. Right. If you're not using a brand new, right. uh, whatever the soft one is called. Uh, and, and this, this is a technique I learned from a detailer right. a couple of years ago is that you have two buckets. I know a lot of people mm. are probably like totally familiar with right. this, but one you, you wash and when it comes off the car, you put it in a bucket to, to rinse off right. the it's dirt a, and that'll yeah. cause swirls if you don't. Yeah. Well, and even with a microfiber towel, My, which is what you were looking thank to say you. earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, even with the microfiber towel, uh, if a rock gets in it or a little yeah. piece of dirt or something gets in there, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong with washing your car. And you think, it's such a simple thing, but it's really not. You should wash from the top down, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you always go from the top down because otherwise, it's like, you know, when you take a shower, you don't wash your feet first, <laughs> do you? No, I don't, don't really want to get into <laughs> yeah. all the details of this. I'm so certain that I went down a rabbit hole I don't we, want to go should, down. We should do a poll podcast at ClassicAutomall.com. Do you wash your feet first, first or your head, or your head or first? Or tires or tire, roof? Tires or roof. It's got to be the roof. And the reason is is because the tires are and the wheels are usually oh, yeah. the dirtiest. Yeah, I use a completely separate It's a whole stuff, yeah. different animal. So, I mean, you've got a whole different, you know, three buckets now. Four yeah, buckets. Pretty much. You don't want to break dust on your paint at all. No, you do not. And uh, or gasoline when you're filling your car mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. you pull it out, and uh, gasoline runs down the side of your car. Yep. Of course, we have a we have uh, a, a pump a station that actually pumps your gas for you here. Delong's uh, it used to be Exxon, now Sunoco here, mm-hmm. here in Morgantown, and uh, and they pump your gas. They come yep, out. And I know. Clean your windshield, and it's a few pennies more, but not. Not enough to be a cause for alarm. It's still cheaper than the turnpike fuel, I bet. For sure. I would imagine. Not that I'm, you know, dissing the turnpike. No, sometimes I gotta do it. Sometimes we (laughs) stop there and that's okay. But, um, I think that, you know, if you, listen, if you really care about your car, there are certain things that you should and shouldn't do. And hand washing it is usually the best. And it, there's nothing better than washing a car. You'll learn more about your car, the paint, the bodywork, <clears throat> um, any potential rust areas or things that are going wrong with the paint by washing it. You'll see stuff that you would never see just walking up to your car. Do you, when you walk up to your car and you're taking it out of the garage or 
whatever. Do you walk around completely and look at everything and look at every tire? No, you don't. I mean, you think you do, and you say you do. Don't, you no. Don't. It's when you wash it that you get to know your car. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 100% true. It's the best way. I would almost recommend that if you're considering buying a car, if you could take it and wash it, yeah, uh, you would maybe find things that you'd say, hmm, maybe uh, I sh- should buy For sure. This. I missed a few things on the last mm-hmm. car I bought because I didn't look super close. I mean, no, no big deal. Scratches, though, that I, sure. I had no idea were there. It's so easy to overlook that stuff, and especially when you're, you know, first of all, Cars are emotional. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're looking at a, you know, a wooden plank and you go, Oh, okay. That's a, but you're looking at something that makes you emotional because you love the car. A and then B, you're excited because this may be your new car. And so it's easy to overlook stuff. It's easy to look at the car and start glancing mm-hmm. around. And then before you know it, you kind of, you get caught up in something or the emblem. And before you know it, you haven't really, what was I looking at? You know, it's just easy for you to, to, to make mistakes at that point in time. That's why it's always good to have a friend with you. Yeah. I always say that because two eyes or four, two eyes, four eyes. Two people with four, four eyes. <laughs> or two people with three <laughs> eyes. Guys, Whatever. You know, a pirate. Sure. Um, that, that you're, you're much better off. You're going to see things and, and, and your buddy may be more objective because he's not necessarily buying the car mm-hmm. unless you know you never know but yeah. but but he's more objective uh than you will be because you're you know caught up in the moment and, right and it's easy sometimes you need to be talked on the ledge and sometimes you need to be That's talked right. off the ledge if you have a buddy that says it talks you out of a car and then ends up with the car yeah then later, he's not, not your buddy not your buddy <laughs> we've never seen that happen have we Steve? <laughs> <laughs> well what happens it's funny is uh, a lot of times we'll see guys come here and the one buddy will, the guy who's coming is the mm-hmm. As the the plus one, right? Uh, we'll say to the guy, "Listen, if you don't buy that car, I'm I will." It. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, that's that's good news to our ears. So uh, when we return, uh, we will talk about some new inventory that's just recently come in, and uh, some new exciting things happening here at Classic Automall, and probably some other stuff of uh, irrelevance. Talk to you soon. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor you're listening to america's web radio on the america's broadcast network.com thank you for listening and we're back with the classic auto mall podcast from the classic auto mall studio in morgantown pennsylvania watching them prepare for the Cars for Casey show coming up this weekend, the 28th. So if you're listening on uh, America's Web Radio today, October 28th, 2023, you can come see a car show in, like for the next four or five hours because they're here till 3 or 4 o'clock, I think, on yes. Saturday. We close our normal hours at noon because we're tired. <laughs> 
So don't expect to get in the door after 12 o'clock. After 12 o'clock. Use the bathroom pre-12. But I think they got, this is the one that has vendors like uh, Matchbox, Uh you know, the die cast. I mean, I've picked up some, I've scored some great die cast and other things uh, here at this show. So Absolutely. I really love that these shows are more and more have things like that artwork and die cast and Mm -hmm. things like that to buy. Because I love, you know, spending a few dollars here and there at these events like that because, you know, it's stuff that's right here. You don't have to order it. You don't have to worry if it's, you know, if it is as good as as it looks in the pictures, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, if you get a chance, come out and check it out. If not, uh, go to their website, Cars for Casey, Casey with a K, uh, dot com, and it'll tell you all about their mission and Mm -hmm. and what they do and why they do it. And it's a wonderful thing. And they, they lost their daughter. Uh, the people who put it on uh, to op- the opioid crisis. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a, a sad story that they have tried to make something positive out of. Absolutely. And, and we love that. That's so, right. Um, new inventories. We talked about 1,006 cars in inventory. We are piling them up. I, tell you, I think the guys are afraid to bring back any new consignments to me. <laughs> I know. I've, I've got one coming in today. Oh, uh, great. Uh, no, no. Listen, no, it's good. It's good to have inventory. Yeah, inventory is good. As we always say, our focus is always on inventory. The more inventory we've got, the better off we are. And we we very rarely say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, though, that the barn find stuff, if you have barn find stuff for sale, right now is probably not the best time to bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, the market not as good on that as it has been. Uh, I think that we'll see that. I think it, it does tend to do that this time of year, too, because people aren't, you know, are looking for something to do over the winter, but, um, you know, there's a lot of variables to it. And, uh, and, and for some reason, barn finds right now are in a little bit of a lull. Although, you know, it's interesting. We had, when we first opened uh, January 1st, 2018, we had 450 barn funds and my partner's in here. Now we're down to, I think we've got about 80 left. Um, and a hundred of them we took away to another building that were just ones that were never going to be sold. Hmm. Not, not because they're not, they're unsaleable because we never wanted to sell them. Right. <clears throat> they had a special meaning or a special something uh, to my partner or to myself. And so we, we earmarked a hundred and we said, okay, we're going to put these in a warehouse, nice climate control warehouse somewhere and they'll preserve. And they're going to stay there, and maybe one day we'll sell them. But today is not the day, and tomorrow is not the day, and the next couple of years is not the day. So no sense in sitting here and taking up space. Right. But we still have about 80 barn finds. So, and, and be, be aware that, uh, barn finds, when you buy a barn find from us, generally speaking, uh, there's some things that it may or may not have. It may not have a title. And that's be sold on a bill of sale only. And that doesn't mean that we can get a title. That means that we are selling it without a title on a bill of sale only. If you have a way to get a title, then good for you. If you don't, then I suggest you don't buy the car or you buy it as a parts car. Um, because if we advertise it doesn't have a title, we do that all the time. And then the guy mm-hmm. will say, can you get me a title? Mm-hmm. No, I, <laughs> we advertise it. And it's state title. to state, too. Different yeah. things are different ways. You can get yeah. bonds and there's different things you can do. Mm-hmm. But it's not for the faint of heart. If you've never, if you've never bought a car, if you don't understand the process, if you think you can just go to the DMV and get a title, you can't. So make sure that you understand what it is you're buying, what it is you're getting, what it is you're not getting. And, and we're crystal clear about that, but it doesn't always resonate with people. What we say, and do doesn't always click with uh, people that may not be familiar with it. Sure. We may make a uh, a statement about something, and uh, and and people might not understand what that means. And we're not trying to hide anything. We're, we're we want. I tell my guys, look, if a guy wants to buy a barn find with no title, 
Your job is to talk him out of it because it, it can, you probably, you might be able to get a title someday, but it'd be very, it could be very difficult. So just want to be aware of the pitfalls of that. I don't want people buying something and then getting into something and realizing, oh, I, I, this is not what I wanted Mm -hmm. or I didn't want to go through all this. And, and so, you know, that's, that's why we, we say what we say about that because at the end of the day, we want you to be happy. Right. I mean, we we make dream, dreams come true. We here. make dreams come true. That's really our do. new slogan. That's so, it. someday I will own, and today is that something. That's right, and that's our new ad campaign that we're just coming out in the <laughs> car market. So, uh, we'll try that one for a while. All right, see how it works. So, anyway, send royalties to <clears throat> yeah Steve S at classicautomall dot com, <laughs> and I'll intercept it because I can, <laughs> I can sneak into your your email. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, some of the new inventory in recently. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. 1972 Chevrolet K10 pickup. I love the K model pickups. Yeah. They are bad boys. Yep. Dark metallic green over black. This one's got the 350 cubic inch V8, not the original motor. Turbo hydromatic 350 uh, uh, transmission. Mm-hmm. Got the nice oak lined bed. Classic auto air AC, and it's basically like new in and out. And, you know, that was uh, General Motors in 1967 started the whole new truck line, the action line, they called it. And it was the C and K line. So the C's would be the uh, um, uh, 15 or uh, uh, half ton. Mm-hmm. And the K's would be the three quarter ton. ton. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this one is really rust free and nice. Oh. Is, uh, the interior is redone and it's just, it, it looks like it, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun to own and drive. You know, you know when the lottery gets to like one billion dollars and you start <laughs> fantasizing about what you're going to do and which cars you're going to buy right. that that's on the list that yeah. when that truck came in I'm like yeah, yeah. that that would be fun to yeah. own. maybe not drive every day but no. man that's a nice looking truck well if you hit the lottery I imagine you'll have more than one car so. yeah no that's one that, but that's one on the list from, yeah. from this place no I'd be coming through here and cleaning you out <laughs> your, your list of where cars go uh, Ambler Pennsylvania Ambler Pennsylvania <laughs> thirty times in a row right yeah, yeah. But, you know then that funny I think we all oh, kind of yeah. have that little secret list that oh we, yeah you know it changes we, all the time depending changes. on what comes through the door right exactly might see something new or different or or something that's on your bucket list that maybe hadn't mm-hmm. come through the door yet, but yep. you'd go out and find it for sure. Um, yeah, I already have. I already have approval if we hit the lottery of my list of cars that I'm going to buy. It's <laughs> quite a scary list. And then, of course, there's also money earmarked for buying and selling cars as well too. Right. And a building for all of the shenanigans that'll go on with it. So. I would have to go back and buy everything I've. Oh, had and sold. Exactly. Obviously, that's priority one, and, yeah. then, and then come through this place and just start picking stuff yeah, out. Just say, I'll take that one. And that but one, first, that one. a garage. A garage. You got to build a garage. Yeah, first. you don't really want to start buying cars and go, uh oh. Yeah, where am I going <laughs> to put them? Where am I going to put them? So anyway, the K10 Chevy truck. If you haven't seen it, come see it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Next, and this is an unusual piece: the 1890 Daimler oh. Airship. Right. It is built by our friend out of Connecticut, who uh, he makes unbelievable replicas of the first this and the first mm-hmm. truck and the first car and the first airship and you know it's a reproduction engine and cockpit but this thing is like master craftsmanship it is just brilliant to what he does and how he does it and and of course it's interesting because it's got a it's got like a uh a, a, a propeller mm-hmm. on the back and then a propeller on the bottom one's for lift and one's wow. for 
per forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can come and go as you please. Um, and it really reminds you of what you would see in an old, like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang movie mm-hmm. or something. Some sure. kind of, you know, weird dirigible or, uh, you know, a motor flying motor car that they had in that movie, obviously. But he makes these wonderful pieces. And it, they're usually bought by dealers or collectors that'll kind of, they don't take up a lot of space. They're mm-hmm. not as big. And they're full, they're full, they're full to life size. But they're just smaller than, you know, uh, a car built in 1898 is smaller than a car built in 1970. Right. They were, they just made them small. Mm-hmm. They didn't really, they, the technology wasn't there to do whatever it is they wanted to do, nor did they see that it was necessary. That's right. Because in 1970, you could literally stand in the engine compartment and work on your carburetor or something. <laughs> you sure could. There was so much space in there, which made no sense. I, I, I'd love to have a GM designer on from the 60s and 70s, which I do actually have a guy mm-hmm. who, who's probably going to be on the show. Um, and, I'd love to know the thought behind that. Was that the crump, was that more of a, for a crumple zone or was there a reason or because there was different engines that you could put in and a, you know, a 350 is not as big as a 454 mm. or, you know, or a straight six. My uh, inclination is that the, that engines got smaller as the body stayed big, mm-hmm. but that's not true because there were some big engines back right. in the yeah. 30s, 40s, you mm-hmm. know, some big yeah. inline V8s and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at an engine in a 1930s Packard, that thing is like... Yeah, it's monstrous. It's monstrous. It's, mm. you know, like four feet long or something. Maybe so. they just created the space so you could work on your car. Yeah, you could so stand, you could in, the, stand in, the bay in the bay and bay work and, on it. And get close to it. Or working on... I remember we're trying to work on a... On a, on a pickup truck that I had, and it was jacked up, and, you know, you could... I had a ladder and, a, yeah. you know, a, right. a little... Foam padded seat you could put kind of on the radiator and on the cowl. <laughs> it was yeah. just a mess. It was very difficult to, to work on. It's like putting um, uh, diesel uh, death in in these trucks when they first started. So nowadays, <clears throat> death, if, in case you don't know, is an additive that you have to add to any diesel truck built after 2015 mm-hmm. or somewhere in there. And it minimizes the pollution and the exhaust and all that. Mm-hmm. So, but the first iteration, which we have on our 2017, uh, uh 3500 series dually, is the fill tank is up near the, up near the firewall and kind of not, you know, on one side or the other, not centered, but off centered. Okay. And it's hard to reach. And you, you've got <laughs> really? a big five-gallon thing of death, and, you know, you're my size, <laughs> and you don't have a ladder. Right. <laughs> well, it just is a recipe for disaster. You're spilling stuff They're all over the Tall thing. truck. It's a tall truck. It's a tall and, truck, and, and, uh, and it's a big truck. And the other, the other thing is, is that if you don't fill that, at some point in time, the engine goes to, like, 40% power. <laughs> and you can't go over right? 50 miles an hour. And oh. if you're on the – think if you're on the turnpike. Yeah, and that'd be bad. You'd probably get a ticket too. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I don't know if they give tickets for going too slow because I pass people going thirty miles an hour well, going the way. Isn't out there a minimum speed? There is a minimum on speed the highway, so people are all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, don't forget the Daimler Airship. Yeah, I just completely forgot about it. Right, we were talking about that. about something else. So, other new inventory: the nineteen ninety nine Shelby Series One Roadster, Centennial Silver over gray and black. This thing is so cool. They, I, I, one owner, 986 actual miles. One owner who didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the problem that we, we talk about all the time, you got too many cars, how are you going to drive them? Right, right. And some people just like having a collection, a collection of, cars of cars without, without driving. Yeah. Just and, and value mm-hmm. is in the mileage. That's right. So the more miles you put on it. So if he flips over to from mm-hmm. 986 to 1,000, mm-hmm. all of a sudden changes the value of the yep. car. And so 
this one is pretty amazing. They made 249 or so. There's argument about how many were actually built. Right. Um, four liter double overhead cam, supercharged V8, fully documented, including pictures from the factory, uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about the Series 1, it's the only purpose built Shelby ever. Right. Uh, every other Shelby was a, you know, based on the Cobra, based on the Mustang, based on right. whatever. And, uh, this one is really, really nice and, and, you know, obviously well maintained with that kind of low mileage on it. So, and again, you know, uh, like I said, I'm sure when you're a, even if you're buying a car to enjoy it, in the back of your mind, you go, hmm, 986 miles. If I go over, I'm going to decrease the value. Am I going to keep this car forever? No. Am I going to maybe get something else? Yes. Maybe have more than something else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I Oh, I better not go over the thousand miles. I mean, <laughs> wow. it's that internal battle yeah, that you sure. have that's, you know. Like yeah. probably has more than one car, you know, yeah, probably, probably so. a collector. But these are really, uh, I don't want to say polarizing, but people yeah. kind of either loved them or hated them. And I, I love them. I think they're cool. They're you know. very cool looking. They're, I've driven I've driven one. Uh, one time I got to drive one, and that was it was one of those things where it took me a little getting mm-hmm. used to it. It was a, it had a different feel hmm. to it than most any other car I've ever driven. But I settled in, and once in about the first, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, man, it felt like a glove. Uh, yeah. It was just, it connected to the road. It, it did everything that it was supposed to do. It was just a really, really neat car. And they're starting to go up in value. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're for a while, they languished at mm-hmm. about 90,000. That's right. where they were. They just wouldn't go much above that. And it was kind of like the Pantera for years languished at 20,000. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden here of, as of late, they've really started to step up because, you know, very collect, they check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. They're collectible and desirable. Um, rare. Of course, they're rare. They're never, uh, Shelby's not coming back. Right. So, I mean, and they only made 200, yeah, 249 mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. give or take. And, so. And I think silver is the best color and it looks great and, and, you know, it's yeah. a great car. This is a great example. It's got the harness and everything. Yeah. So, uh, don't miss it if you're looking for a series one. And when we return, we'll finish the rest of the new inventory and, uh, talk about some other things automotive. We'll talk, talk to you in a minute. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall Studios in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. You know, we will have a guest on again. <laughs> it's not just me and you guys. So if you're listening, don't think that it's just going to be me and Steve forever. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. We enjoy our, no. what we do, and I think it's entertaining somewhat to some people. you got a good voice, so well, you could just you. keep read the phone book, and I think people would listen, frankly. <laughs> frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, oh, there goes a Crosley leaving. Okay. Uh, the little Crosley, oh, he bought the Crosley. Yeah, a little Crosley Roadster, and uh, he's got some ambitious plans for it. It's it's in driver quality condition, but if you wanted to take it to the next level, it certainly uh, would be uh, uh, something that you could do. But the nice thing about it is 
I always say buy the best you can buy mm-hmm. and buy one that you can that runs and drives. You know, don't don't buy one that you, you can't enjoy for at least a period of time before you decide to restore it or repair it or upgrade it or whatever you want to do. Because if you buy something that you can't drive and three years later you've not driven mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. you're going to lose complete interest in it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of bored with this. So, you know, um, <laughs> we were talking about cars that hadn't been driven that needed to be driven. Our, our next candidate uh, in our new car inventory is the 2008 Porsche 911 Turbo Cabriolet. This thing, meteor gray over black and stone gray, two owners, 3.6 liter turbo flat six. If you've never driven a flat six Porsche car, they're pretty amazing. Even in their lowest horsepower form, mm-hmm. they're a blast to drive. And 911 is just in and of itself is a fun car to drive. And, and this one's got the Tiptronic five speed, so you don't have to learn how to work that third pedal. And it's all wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So it, it will stick well, and uh, it's well appointed. So you know, <laughs> sounds so snobby. by who by snob so snobby. Yeah, it's well appointed. Well appointed. Well appointed. Um, fuel injected. You know, forty two thousand miles. So this one has gone the opposite way of the Shelby. Mm-hmm. This one is the guy who just says, "You know what? I'm going to drive this thing." <laughs> I mean, it's now 15, it's hard to believe that 2008 is 15, actually 16 model years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because the 2024s are out now, right? Yeah, sure. So this is October, so wow. they have to be out. So that's hard to believe, but <clears throat> this one was driven. And it's got a few little rock chips here and there. It's got a few little blemishes, nothing major, nothing that's going to stand out to you. But certainly it's there because 42,000 miles is a significant difference between 986 on the Shelby. For sure. And I know that sounds like, you know, very simple math, and it is, but it's, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of miles on a car like that. And, but it means that when you get in it, it's probably been well sorted. It's not need anything. It's been upgraded and maintained. A lot of these cars with low, low miles. Mm-hmm. can be a little bit problematic because they may have sat for a while and the seals may be drying out. The battery could be shot. There could be things that it needs that are not necessarily because of damage or because it was miscared for. It's just time and age and sitting is not the best thing in the world for any car. Right. You know, if you think about it, most like an oil pan, it's designed to hold most of the oil that's, that the car requires, but not all of it, because uh, most of it was in the pan, but a lot of it was still up in the nooks and crannies mm-hmm. of the engine. And the longer that thing sits, more that drains out. And they weren't cars weren't designed to just be purchased and then sit, so they didn't compensate for that mm-hmm. in the oil pan. So therefore, the oil pan overflows, and the people go, "Oh, well, it's leaking oil." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, it's just sweat from all the horsepower, <laughs> 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 which is not, but. Um, <clears throat> It's, uh, but people don't realize that and they think, oh, there's something wrong with the car. No, there's the only thing wrong with it. It's just, it's sat. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of guys won't buy low mileage cars because they want something that's been used and driven. A lot in the Ferrari world will tell you that they'd rather buy a car with 15,000 miles on it than, than one with 500 miles mm-hmm. on it, especially if it's over 10 years old. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, or you buy it in between the services. So from yeah, 15,001 yeah. to 24,999, somewhere in there you buy it and you sell it before it gets to the other because the services can be <laughs> That's pricey. Right. Yeah, Although Ferrari got smart and they started doing a seven year comprehensive, all maintenance and service included mm. price when you bought a new one. Mm. And so 
that got a lot of people off the fence who were thinking, you know what, I'd like to buy a Ferrari, but, you know, oh, the fear of that $10,000 bill you get from them. And all of a sudden, uh, Ferrari said, hmm, wait a minute, maybe we should compensate people for this so we won't have that stigma. Mm-hmm. Listen, there, there's a, you know, more than one way to skin a cat, and there's ways to overcome things. And, and when you have a, a negative, you can turn into a positive. And people go, oh, well, they're going to do a seven-year warranty on it? Well, heck yeah, I'm in. And so you're seeing... That happened, I think, and, and that was a smart thing to do because uh, the service on them was legendarily expensive. I've had friends who bought 308s back in the day before 308s were even collectible. They were just a used car almost, and they'd spend twenty grand on it, and they take it to the Ferrari dealer for you know its maintenance and service and upkeep. And before you know it, they spend another twenty five grand mm. on on the upkeep and the maintenance and all the delayed stuff that hadn't been done to it. And so, you know, that's that's one of those things that you have to think through. You know, don't any car that you buy, it, do your due diligence, do your homework, find out what it takes, find out how much parts are, find out how much uh, services. What does a guy charge an hour? Is there a local guy that you can go talk to before you buy it and say, hey, you work on Chevelles or you work on Ferraris or you work on BMWs? Tell me about some of the pitfalls. What should I look for? What should I, you know, be concerned with? Uh, bring them out to come inspect the car if you like. Mm-hmm. That's the smartest thing that you can do. But but know what you're getting into. I mean, you know, I jokingly talk about the the carbon ceramic brakes on the Mercedes. That my buddy said they're they're five grand a piece, and I didn't know that. <laughs> and and shame on me. Right. You know, I sh- I should have known that. I should have done my due diligence to say, at least I know that going in. It may not have changed the fact that I bought it or not. But it would certainly make me think, hmm. Maybe I need to lay off the brakes. <laughs> Easy on the brakes. And just like coast into the red light. Yeah, I think we don't need to come to a complete stop. More of a California stop. <laughs> exactly. Of course, well, that, that got me in trouble last time I was in California. I got yeah, a $400 red light really? ticket. Yeah, because apparently I didn't stop. And I couldn't argue that it wasn't me because there I was in full color glory right there. And my face mm-hmm. is as big as a watermelon. And uh, and that was a $400 ticket. And I really don't want to get another one of those. So, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, but, you know, do your do your homework when you buy a car and understand as much about the car as you possibly can. There is so much information on the Internet on most cars, mm-hmm. not every car. Some cars are just, you know, so rare and, and different that you, you might not have luck finding them. But for generic, you know, I say generic, a Porsche 911 Turbo, a 2008, yeah. get on there and find out mm-hmm. the good, the bad, what to look for, what needs to be replaced, what's you're gonna, what's the forecast look like? Uh, is it you know the IMS bearings and some of the 911s that need to be replaced? And if you get them ahead of time, it's pretty good. And if you don't get them ahead of time, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and read through the forums too. Read mm-hmm. through the people talking about these cars who've had them for years right. and years, who have had experience, and oftentimes there's specialty mechanics on those things. And do your do your homework. Because, yeah, uh, and, and we're not trying to discourage you from buying mm-hmm. a car. We just want you to buy a car in an educated fashion. Don't buy a 700-horsepower Hellcat for your 16-year-old son. Right. Don't buy a 1970 Volkswagen Beetle for your 16-year-old daughter. They're going to hate it. Mm. Uh, she's going to hate it. She's, she, you want her airbags and a good stereo and heat and air and all that stuff. And, yeah, it sounds charming for her to drive that, but it's not going to be charming to her. Mm-hmm. And, and the Hellcat with the sun is just not too much power. And if you're new to a car, I, I, bet, I bet 80 to 90% of the cars we have here have a club mm-hmm. or some kind of group online or locally. That you can, you know, enlist enlist their help in in purchasing things. If you're new sure. to it, a yeah. lot of the guys know. I'm buying a Viper. I've had Vipers. I yeah, know I know everything. For. I know more about Vipers than yeah, you know then, about for Vipers. Sure. Yeah, and we have that all the time. And the other thing is, is that just because there's something wrong with the car doesn't mean you don't you should don't have to you're not 
you shouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things that are that you can do yourself that will increase the value of a car. Um, if the interior, if the carpet needs a good shampooing, if the interior needs a good cleaning, if the, the, the car needs a good detail, if the engine compartment is dirty, there's all those things that you can do that are fairly cost effective that will increase the value of the car and, and some performance mods that you can do if you like that sort of thing. And there's all kinds of things that you can do. So don't be discouraged that there's something wrong. Just base your price on that. Look, if, if, if we advertise a car that's, you know, all these different things and you come here and you look at it and you say, well, it doesn't have this or there's this or that or whatever, then make an offer based on what you think is the reasonable value. You know, don't lowball us. I mean, it, right. you know, we're not going to call the seller on a $50,000 car if your offer is $9,000. Right. It's just not going to happen. No. And, and, you know, and people say, oh, you're obligated to do that. No, we're not. We're, we're not obligated to do it. We're obligated to get the most money for our consigners and, and to make everybody happy on all three prongs of the transaction. Classic Automall, the seller, and the buyer. And, but if, if you notice some things that are wrong, certainly we can, we can, that, that is the ability, if we have that, to go to the seller and say, uh, the guy has offered this, and the reason is, is because this, 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 and this. Now, if the car is exactly like we described it, and we haven't missed anything, then pay us what we're asking mm-hmm. for, and if, you know, what you've agreed on. But, uh, but certainly, you know, we're okay with that. We understand that part of the process. So, uh, other new inventory, your favorite car that we have here is the 1978 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme Brome in light green over light green <laughs> and dark green. Two owners, garage kept, 68,000 miles, the 260 V8. Oh, that has the 260 in it. Yeah. Wow. Rumba, rumba. rumba. Those were everywhere. They everywhere. were everywhere. I know. And they That's were a cool incredible. looking car. Yeah, they were nice, dependable, mm-hmm. luxurious. Mm-hmm. I, my cousin uh, Jeffrey had one in Vegas, and I think he lent me the keys, and I'm like, this is, this is a sweet car. And then you just don't see them anymore. Wow. And we have we actually have two. One's a super high performance modified yeah, version. And this one is just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this one is just. It's really nice. It looks like Grandma's car. In a I really respect. need to do a video on it because it probably go viral. I think it'll be like that Oldsmobile ninety eight <laughs> exactly. did, where everybody and their brother saw that. That's right. So, but it's really a neat car, and it's well maintained. Mm-hmm. I mean, the paint is really pretty on it. And General Motors in nineteen seventy eight, their paint quality wasn't quite as up to par as as it is now, uh, or it was prior to that. Mm-hmm. They they had some years where the the quality was a little less questionable, a little questionable. Uh, <laughs> They're, they got a little cocky. Uh-huh. They got a little confident and they got a little cocky and, uh, and they learned their lesson. Mm. Listen, hey, you know, I think if you haven't been in that position in, when you're in business, then you're probably not really in business and you're not doing much innovation or anything because you are going to make mistakes and you are going to get rest on your laurels sometimes when you shouldn't. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what happened with them, the, the malaise era, they called mm-hmm. it. And then they re- realized that the foreign cars were coming out and they were, you know, their build quality was twice as good and, and the prices were lower and the fuel mileage was better. And I mean, all of these things. And, and somebody finally said, Oh crap, we better jump on this bandwagon here mm-hmm. quickly or we're going to be in trouble. And luckily they did. And, uh, but you know, it's funny. The 260 V8, people go, Oh, that's, that's a 260 V8. But, but, you know, a 289 is nothing that people look down their nose. That's at. true. A 302 is nothing. Right. Like, even a 260 that was in the Sunbeam Tiger when it first came mm-hmm. out. You know, there was, there was not a slouch. Probably got a two barrel and a yeah. bunch of smog stuff on it. But, <laughs> right. But, but it's a, it's a nice car. I mean, this is, this is a show car today. Yeah. It really is. And it was, it's one of those ones that, 
I, I think it will draw a reaction almost just about everybody mm-hmm. that sees it. It's, it's one of those cars that's kind of polarizing in a way. It stops you. You're like, wow, look at that. And there's so many cars that don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about from all eras. There's certain cars that just look generic. It's hard to even tell what they are, and especially some of the new cars. And that's because all of the designers went to the same school, and they're trying to achieve the same uh, EPA mm-hmm. mileage mm-hmm. thing. And so, of course, they're all going to look the same because sure. they're, they're, that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. I was watching a thing on AI the other day about building a robot, and they said build a robot that walks to the AI man or machine mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it built, it didn't build like what you would expect a robot with the metal legs and the sure. metal arms and the square head. And it built this cube looking thing huh. that just walked, but it just did so because the, the liquid in it was fluid enough and it just made it want. It was like, wow. it didn't even have anything to do to look like a person. Right. Because it didn't tell it to be mm. a person. It said just, Make it walk. That's weird. <laughs> so it's very strange. And that whole AI stuff is pretty scary. It's out there. I, I don't know what to think <laughs> of it at this point in time. I know what to think of a lot of things, but that I do not. Anyway, when we return, uh, we'll talk about some upcoming events we're going to be attending and finish out with the uh, rest of our new car inventory. Classic Automall Podcast. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with The Classic Automobile Podcast from The Classic Automobile Studios where it's just me and Steve today. JR's out lollygagging along. And yeah, I don't know what he's doing, but no guest, and you know. we get more and more buttons every week. It's like <laughs> yeah. we got it's a like control room back here. It's, <laughs> you know, it's pretty. A graphic, you know, a big uh, pie chart with graphics <laughs> and arrows and Venn diagrams. Yeah, whatever <laughs> that is. All that, whatever that know. is. Um, and the last of our new inventory is a really wonderful car that came from a dear friend of ours in Puerto Rico, and it's a 1930 LaSalle 340 convertible coupe. Silver and black over Oxblood. Mm. Better than the name Oxblood. Concord mm. Restoration. AACA National Senior First Winner. It's got the 340 cubic inch L head uh, V8. Lacquered walnut dash, which is absolutely stunning if you haven't seen it. Go to our website and you can see it. And the Hearts Cloth Top, uh, which are the Rolls Royce of tops. They're the ones that you want. They they make great convertible tops. and And this thing... It's so cool. And the LaSalle, a lot of people aren't familiar with. You know, it was a division of Cadillac. It was a, you know, General Motors chairman at the time, Alfred Sloan, wanted to have a car for every purse and purpose. Mm-hmm. So every price point. So they would find these weird little gaps between the price of a Cadillac V12 and a Cadillac V6 or or V8 and a V12. So they thought, hmm, well, we could fill the gap with something else. And they came up with LaSalle, kind of like Lexus and Toyota or or some of these others. But back then it was more just a fit a little niche. And uh and so 
it was not just a junior Cadillac. That's, you know, what people were thinking that, that it really was, but it was actually, it's kind of its own brand, like Edsel, which mm-hmm. didn't turn out very well. And LaSalle, for all intents and purposes, probably didn't really turn out very well either. Um, you know, they're not as collectible as desirable until you see this one, the silver and black. <laughs> right. Just, I mean, it is a stop you in your tracks car. You see it, and I don't care how jaded you are and how many cars you've seen and how many Duesenbergs you've driven or been in or whatever, Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. This car really strikes you when you see it. And uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, the designer was Harley Earl, who designed a lot of our favorite cars. Um, that you see, you know, out on the roads and, and as admired as any classic cars that there are. So, mm-hmm. um so that's the last of our new car inventory that only took us three segments to get Three segments. <laughs> we stretched it out. We were really stretched. And when you have no guests, that's the best thing to do, really. Just, <laughs> just stretch, stretch things out. Just keep talking. Just blah, just, uh, blah, yeah. blah. Gift of gab, as they say. Yeah, the gift of gab. I don't know if my wife would call it that. I think she would have another name for it. Uh, sometimes she just says to me, just stop talking. <laughs> and I'm sure I've said that before. So she would want me to stop talking about the stop talking thing. Yeah, right, so, right. So. If she was in studio. If she was in studio, she's probably... Probably lurking around here somewhere. <laughs> I, she was here a minute ago. She looked like she wanted me for something. You probably to sign something. I one of these days I'm going to sign something that I'm going to regret. Right. You sign post prenup. Yeah. She has me. I sign stuff all day. I'll be in a meeting or on the phone, and she'll bring some stuff in, yeah. and she'll hand me a pen, uh-huh. and I just go okay, <laughs> and just sign it because I trust her, obviously. Yeah. Um, of course. But you know. If, if, if the tides had turned, right. she'd had enough of my shenanigans one day. And <laughs> if, you said, talk hey, too, if you talk too much, <laughs> quit, just shut up and sign this and sign this. And by the way, you've just given me everything and, and you have to go live in a cardboard box down by the river. <laughs> Kathy, president of Classic Auto Mall. Yeah. The Classic Kathy Mall. Mm. There you go. And she would probably run it better than me. So. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> so You're a good team. You're a good team, though. You no, know, it, I don't think people understand how how much the two of you do it's a lot. to run this giant facility. Yeah, it's a lot. The good news is, the really, really good news about all this is that we've, we've in what our career has been, we've just led to this. Of exactly. Twice, right. Number one. And number two. As we talk about, I already had all the business plan already thought out and done. There, as I say all the time, there's not many times that somebody walks in my office that I go, mm, I don't know, or I don't know what that, you know, I'll have to get back to you on that. I have tried, and I'm sure that something will hit me one of these days, but I've tried to think through, I tried to think through in the 25 years that I've thought about this business model, everything that could go wrong, everything that we should be a pitfall, Everything that we can and can't do, where we market, how we market, where we go, what we do, what we say, what we feel, what our forms look like, everything. But with that said, I'm sure that tomorrow something will come up. There's, a, there's an idiom. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm going to screw it up. But something like success is where experience and opportunity meet, meet something right. like that. Yeah, I and, think that's and, and that's where, where you're at. You yeah, know? I mean, we've, we've done wonderful things here, and we're proud of what we've built here. Is it easy? No. Is it is it? Can it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a job too. It's not, yes, it's classic cars. And yes, when you tell somebody when you're out in public, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm in the classic car business. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> I mean, if you said I'm in the pallet business, people go, oh, okay. right. no, well, it's, it's different. It's so different. nice talking to you. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. like when you ask somebody where they're from and they say somewhere that you have no reference to, like, uh, Dubuque, Iowa. And like, oh, 
Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you want them to say something like, uh, I'm from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And I go, well, I grew up in Knoxville. Or I'm from Branson, Missouri. Oh, yeah, I lived in Branson, Missouri. Right, right. I'm from Dubuque, Iowa. <gasps> okay. <laughs> right. nice, nice talking to you. <laughs> and it's not because there's anything wrong with, I don't want to get letters about Dubuque, Iowa. Right. I love Dubuque, Iowa. I'm just saying that it, you know, it, when you're looking for a response, sometimes it doesn't always come in the form that you're looking for. That's so right. That's why tomorrow, I'm sure somebody will walk through my door with something that I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have put that maxim to bed. Look already. at the trophies loading into them. It is really tons cool. Of tro- and these aren't these aren't chintzy little trophies. No. These are big trophies. These though. are big. The cars for Casey show. They're loading wow. in the trophies and uh, a lot. It looks like I think they said they have a hundred and fifty or something. Mm-hmm. Of these trophies and my goodness gracious. So they should have, probably have four or five hundred cars out there on Saturday yeah. or today if you're listening. Yeah, today, uh, uh, October the twenty eighth, show number one twelve. God, that's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. That is hard to believe. It really is. It seems like just yesterday we started, and then in other times it seems like we've been doing this for like twenty six years. It's <laughs> it's true. It's uh, it's. Uh, I hope people are listening and yeah. you're enjoying the show. Yeah. And, and now, oh. we're, now we're on YouTube. So and hello YouTube. So, hello Cleveland. Trying to get it going here. <laughs> Be like Van Halen. Hello, hello, hello Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, I'm sorry, we're in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, whoops. But you know, you think about that. We were talking about that yesterday with somebody <laughs> about the fact that. When you go and do, like, these auctions that I used to do with eBay Cruise back in the day, and we'd go to all these different cities, you had no idea where you were. You didn't get to see any of the town. It wasn't like you were like, uh, oh, I'm in Paris. I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower. No. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the venue, and then you're going to go to the hotel room, and then you're going to go back to the venue, and then you're going to go to the hotel room. <laughs> you're going to go back to the venue, and then you're going to get on an airplane, and you're going to go home. Right. And you didn't see anything. Yeah. You didn't get any of the Eiffel Tower. You didn't get any of the cool stuff. <laughs> Vegas was the same way. I spent three weeks in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't think I gambled one day. I don't think I did anything. I didn't do anything fun. It was, I mean, it was cool doing the auction. But it wasn't like I was just out hanging out in Vegas. Right, right. So uh, We talked a little bit about that with uh, Obi O'Brien, who yeah. toured with Bon Jovi. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he got to see more of the towns than, than Bon Jovi did because right. he's not world famous. Right. Yeah, you know? he can get around a little bit. Right, easier. he can walk around. But they they did travel. A, I mean, it, it's it's a hard life. It is a hard life. And, and Boo-hoo. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when you're on a plane, I bet you in one year I was probably on 100. Really? 110 flights wow. uh, in a year. And, you know, that's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. And, of course, you know, your family, you know, there's a lot sure. of downside to it, mm-hmm. too. I mean, it was fun and it was a great business. And, and eBay was in the spending money mood uh, back then. And they wanted to, to, you know, make this cruise international. They wanted to draw all the classic car guys into the, mm-hmm. in the to the eBay world. And they did a great job of it. I mean, with our help, uh, those of us that work there and uh, – went out and did what we needed to do to make these things cool and wonderful and all that good stuff. So um, it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work, and it was a lot of missed family time. Sure. And so when I was able to get back home, and and, and, and I, my first thing after eBay was actually selling cars on eBay for other people on consignment, ah. but not really on consignment. Mm-hmm. You didn't take possession of them. Right, right. You'd bring your car to me. I'd take pictures of it, write up the description, and send you on your way. Right. And we put it on eBay, and when it sold, then you'd bring it back to me, and I'd give you money, and you'd give me the title mm-hmm. of the car, and then the new person would come and pick it up. But we didn't have a brick and mortar. We didn't. I was in my basement. Yeah, in sure. Shorts and a in a in a t shirt, literally, and. um it was amazing. And then, of course, you know, we decided it needed to grow from there. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of competition now for, for right. your classic car. Yeah. It wasn't the same back then. And, and really right. back then, 
the price there wasn't there was price guides and there was you know but it wasn't as prevalent so mm-hmm. people didn't really have a firm handle on what something was worth so and and not that you took advantage of people but it was the fact that if you bought a mustang for 10,000 then you could sell it for 12 it was just common math mm-hmm. you know that was just the way it worked it doesn't mean that it was worth 10 or 12 or 8 or 20 or whatever but it meant that you could usually buy a car at any price point and sell it for more than you paid mm-hmm. for it because there wasn't a, a person that said, well, the price guide says that it's this, or right. they sold one at so-and-so for this. It wasn't as well-known in the hobby. People still wanted old cars or did want old cars. They just didn't They didn't have a reference point for it. So you could always kind of make a profit on anything sure. you bought. And a lot of times you could buy something for three or four, put a couple of grand into it, now you're in it for six, and sell it for eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And that was a you know a good living. Good times. <laughs> good times. And good times. Before everybody knew what the heck was. Yeah, now, <laughs> before the Internet. Yeah, before that daggum Internet. Yeah. You know, it's a boon and the bane. Uh, it's, you know, there are lots of things that, that are more prevalent in the collector car world than they ever were, whether it's auctions on TV. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good and bad. It's good because it raises the level of awareness of the hobby. It's bad because people sometimes get false expectations of things, of values, of um, what their particular car is worth, what another car might be worth. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, I don't know if you would want it one way or the other. If you'd say, oh, I just I would never want it to be out there on the Internet and out on television or yeah, come on, let's bring it out on there, and we'll just deal with it as we go. And, of course, the latter is the, the truth, because we can't control any of that. Right, and there's still, not barn finds, but there are still cars out there that, you know, people are ready to sell, and, and are, you can get good deals. There's yeah, still good there's, deals to be had out there. And, and there's guys out there that bought a car right, that are happy to, you know, break even uh, to resell it, because they got a lot of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, too. Nobody has to feel, you know, ashamed because you sold a car for a little less than maybe the market is. Because I can tell you the guys that are motivated to sell, when they bring their car here to us, and the guy puts a fair price on it, it's lucky if it lasts a week. That's right. You know, and uh, and then we have others that are here much longer because people have either they paid too much for it, they got wrong information, they didn't realize what they were buying when they bought it, mm-hmm. or they think that they're going to make a big profit on it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. But most times, the cars that sell are the ones that are priced below perceived market. Correct. Value, you know, and that's a that's a moving target. Absolutely. I mean, that changes almost daily, and we see things that get hot for no particular mm-hmm. reason, and all of a sudden we haven't sold one in months and months and months, and then we sell three of them in one day, or we get a, a deposit on something in the morning, and by that afternoon we've had five other huh. people call, and this is a car that's been here a year. Yeah, weird. How the heck does that happen? No rhyme or reason. <laughs> no rhyme, no reason. So uh, anyway, that's all of our new inventory for the uh, month, and of course the Phillies are not going to the World Series if you watch the game list. Yeah, that was that was disappointing <laughs> yeah. actually, but it, it is what it is. And welcome to Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what the interesting thing about the Phillies was is that everybody would have predicted at the start of the playoffs that there's no way that it's not going to be the Phillies in, right. in the World Series. There's just no way. They're just too good of a team. They're multi-dimensional. Yeah, and got, that 10-0 win in Game Two was like was we're like, in, we're in, we're done. And then we can relax. Solid losses solid. all the way. Through. So it's the Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. That's right. So, you know, that starts on Friday, which will have started last night if you're listening on. That's right. Oh, I can't, you know, this math, this Common Core. Well, we're in the same week, so, yeah. <laughs> <Math>. Common Core. <laughs> classic Automall math. 
is is difficult to remember. So yeah, yeah but good, the Phillies had a great year, and they had a great year last year, and of course they didn't, comp- you know. So <laughs> I bet you know, you, but you could get, you buy a ticket to Game Seven. It's oh, in Philly. You're excited. Man. The crowd was crazy, and and then you lose, and it's just the worst yeah, feeling in the I, world. And we've been there before, obviously, right, right. but it's I, tough for Philly people. I was uh, considering buying tickets, but they were just oh, yeah. awfully pricey. Exactly. You know, and I thought, you know, I'm sitting here in my comfortable couch, <laughs> in my comfortable contour chair, right. contour pillow. Uh-huh. I'm contoured out. You're contoured. <laughs> and I'm like, do I want to get in the car, drive all the way down there, you know, buy tickets. In your contour. In my contour. <laughs> your Ford yeah, contour. Ford contour. SVT. Drive all the way down there. Do I want to do that or do I want to sit here, right. cook a steak, have a glass of wine, and watch the game and see the replays and not be cold or hot or, you know, loud right. or some drunk spilling beer. Sure. And I talk myself out of it, which seems to be more and more the case these days, the just talking myself out of stuff. Imagine my whole life is <laughs> saying saying no and then sticking with it. But a, a winning stadium in, in a game seven oh, is just, there's nothing like it, yeah. especially in Philly. We're such a sports town. So. Yeah, this is really a sports town. So anyway, uh, next week we'll hope to have a guest, so you won't have to just listen to me and Steve. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon on the Classic Automall Podcast. See you then. You've been listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast with your host, Stuart Howden, executive producer, Steve Safir, produced and engineered by yours truly, J.R. Russ. Thanks for listening and sharing the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, available on ClassicAutoMall.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music, courtesy of the Pat Travers Band, produced by CarSmarts Media, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.